Thank you, everyone. I would like now to welcome to this pulpit our brother, our, our, our missionary, our apostolic delegate. Come on, let's give a warm cross-culture welcome for Eric Ruiz. Come on, bro. Yeah, we, we won't need the PowerPoint till a few minutes from now. But uh, is, is it possible to get some water? Yeah. Oh, man. I was getting rocked during worship. Hey, hands. <laughs> hey, what's up? Oh, man. I see a lot of new faces here today. That's cool. I think the last time I was at Cross Culture was about a year and a half ago. Everybody looks a a year and a half older. <laughs> Dang. I, when I was saying I was like, I don't think that's a good thing to say. Dang. it's oh, a good way to start. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I'll introduce myself. Hey, Stan. Stan and Vincy. Hey. Um, I'm really happy to be back home. Man, I was getting rocked in worship. I don't know if it was the jet lag or the coffee or not getting any sleep or something, but I was getting rocked. Uh, but yeah, let me introduce myself. My name is Eric. Um, yeah, I grew up here in Chicago in the inner city. I didn't know Jesus until about 26 years old. Um, my family, they're Roman Catholic, but they weren't practicing. And um, I just had a supernatural divine encounter with the Lord when I was 26. I woke up one morning from an amazing dream and um, during that morning, for a few moments, I had just th- this heaviness, this glorious heaviness upon me, this uh, very real heaviness on top. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. On top of me, and um, <clears throat> it, it, like, just spiraled me on a, on a journey to figure out what happened, and long story short, uh, Jesus happened that morning, and so I went to Bible school right away. I went to fire school. I graduated, finished that. That was, that was fun. Yeah, man, it was graduate, baby. Oh, and so uh, after a year and a half in Thailand, I found myself back here, and so, uh, you know, I, I think it's scriptural to greet each other with a holy kiss, so I want to kiss you guys all at once. And uh, with my words, of course. And, and um, so, yeah, so about two years ago, uh, I, was really, uh, I was really into this Keanu Reeves movie, right, called The Matrix. And, uh, and it was so cool because, like, certain people in the movie were, like, parallel to certain people in the Bible. So, like, Morpheus was Baptist, ushering in the Messiah, who was Neo. And, like, he, he got pulled out of the world, but he had to go back in. But now he wasn't part of the world anymore, and he, he had this new uh, uh, worldview and outlook. And so I was really liking it, and I Googled it because I wanted to figure out, like, if I, fi- if I knew all the parallels because I wanted to know all of them. So I Googled uh, Bible Matrix, and the very first thing that came up was, was even more cooler than what I was looking for. And I was looking for, like, all the parallels. It was the word matrix in the Bible. I was like, no way. The word matrix is in the Bible. What? So it's like, it's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. But only, I don't know if it's any other versions, but the one that I found was, it was in the King James Version. 
So for you King James only people, that's a, that's a plus. That's a cool word. So um, if we keep the scripture, the Bible refers to the church as, as the Lord's bride. And, and if we keep that, that female pronoun, you guys are definitely uh, the matrix that the Lord sought fit I would be formed in and sent out from and now returning to. And the word matrix is, um, it means womb. So I love you guys. <laughs> love you too. Thank you. Thank you, Hefe. So um, before I really get started with, with what I feel like the Lord's telling me to share tonight, if I, if I squeak or my lip quivers or my eye twitches, I'm not going through any changes. It's just I'm not usually a, someone who stands up in front of crowds and speaks. So please excuse me in advance. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Hefe, I think I might give him a, a, a preview of Kingdom of the Gospel class because I felt like, you know, that's what the Lord wanted me to talk about today. So don't be mad at me. For those that didn't pay for the class and are not going, you might get a little freebie right today, right now. So, um, you know what? Before I before I go into that, let me recap about Thailand. Sorry, sorry. I'm gonna blame it on the jet lag. I'm not. I'm not. I'm told. I'm not all there. I'm there. I'm thinking. I had stuff to say, and then I forgot them. The Lord was like doing stuff in me earlier. But uh, so Thailand, here and a half in Thailand. <laughs> um. So yeah, me, Sam, and Natalie have been in, in Thailand for a year and a half, and there's been so many seasons in Thailand, it's probably impossible to just share with the uh, amount of time that I have up here. How much time do I have? Up until, uh, okay, to the hour? Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. cool. What's today, Sunday? Okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> So, so many seasons in Thailand, so many ups and downs, and it, and it felt like the very first season was just thrusting into this dropping into this ocean, and um, it, it was definitely a season of transition, and some of the seasons I couldn't even categorize. I couldn't even say this is what it was. It was just a, a, a mosh pit of different things happening at once, and the reason I say the very first season was transition was because, of course, transitioning from American culture to an Asian one. And then even the church out here is different from the church over there. And then the language transitioning from English to that one. And then even the way you think, the, what we consider common sense isn't so common in other parts of the world. And so this season of transition really took a toll. And um, um, all that to say that the Lord, the Lord was definitely with us, um, with me personally throughout the, the, the entire year and a half. But um, learning Thai was was our first goal out there we wanted to learn a language so we can share the gospel and um so here i am i guess out of the group me sam and natalie i'm i'm i guess i'm wired up as the evangelist out of the group i'm more evangelistic i'm a little bit more bold i go up to people talk to them you know um if my reputation is hurt i don't i don't care if it's hurt for the gospel okay so um, i'm in thailand i want to share the gospel but i don't talk thai and nobody talks English. And where I was put was, was basically, um, for anybody that talks Spanish, it's called the campo. It's 
basically farmland country, um, the equivalent of the Beverly Hillbillies or something like that, <laughs> down south, stamping grounds, Mississippi or something, you know, just these types of rural places, country people, and, and that was another transition, city life to country. Uh, but uh, so how was the gospel escaping? I, I guess I, I, the Lord really did a work in me, and, and it was definitely a lot of uh, different outlets for the gospel to escape besides being verbal. So I couldn't share it, but I did express it. And the Lord let, led me on this journey of, um, of this new, this, this cultivating of a, of a new mind frame, a new uh, understanding, especially of other cultures. And um, I'm going to get to that in a second. I think, I think it's what the Lord wants me to share with everybody tonight. And so I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Um, but uh, culture, that word culture is so important. And I'm going to get to that. Before I get to that, I want to get to what the gospel is because I want to make sure we're all on the same page. When we go to Thailand, when I'm in Thailand, I'm sharing the gospel with people. But what, what am I talking about when I, when I say I'm sharing the gospel? Here in America, we might say something like, um, there was this law, and you didn't do it. And, you know, and then Jesus came along, and he did the law perfectly. And so now when you believe in Jesus, he died for you, and you go to heaven. Or, or we might say the gospel is something like, uh, uh, you know, you're sinful. Jesus was perfect. He died on your behalf. When you believe in him, you go to heaven. We say stuff like that. But when we read the gospels, it says something. Uh, uh, those things aren't bad, and those things are not true, but it says something a little bit different. So if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. But I'm going to open up to Mark 1. I hope I'm not stealing your material for the class right here. Amen. Amen. Tuesday. <laughs> so Mark 1.15, Mark comes out with his gospel with a big bang. The other gospels don't do this. Jesus is coming out preaching the gospel in the very first chapter of Mark, verse 15. Let me read it out. Um, and, and, and just really quickly. Uh, I've discovered while being in Thailand that there's a difference between reading the word, reading your Bible, and hearing the word. A lot of times when the Bible says the word of God or the, the, the word came to this prophet, and then he shared it, he spoke it. Um, there's a difference between it going through your eyes and then stimulating your mind and heart, and then it going through your ears and stimulating your mind and heart. There is a difference. It's not, it's not just words. And so if you don't have a Bible, that's cool too, because I'm going to read it out. So. Mark chapter 1, let me start at 14. So, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, whenever I read this verse, I always got confused and I was like, repent and believe in the gospel. All right, what's the gospel? And so, I was waiting for something to tell me the gospel, and I would read on, and it wouldn't be like any specific things there. Like, this is the gospel. This is what's happening. So I had to keep rereading it, rereading it, rereading it. And then finally, it, it dawned on me, and I was like, ah. You know, and Jeff taught this all the while. He taught this a long time ago, and I, I really didn't grasp it. But thank you, Jesus, that I did later on. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So let's work through it backwards. 
Repent, I think most of us know what that means, turning away from sin and turning to God. It means, what's the Greek? Metanoia? Metanoia. By that time, I think in this age, metanoia kind of the definition developed that into ter- changing, not just changing your mind, which is what it means, but turning away from sin and turning to God. So that's, that's what it meant. And believe in the gospel. Everybody knows the word gospel means good news, right? So turn away from sin. Turn to God. Believe in the good news. All right, what's the good news? So we're working backwards. The next main idea in there is the kingdom of God is at hand. And then the one before that is the time is fulfilled. So I think I'm just going to skip the time is fulfilled one, even though it's all really interesting. And I'm going to focus on the kingdom of God is at hand. And so when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, this is a, a term or a word during the first century that means the rule of God or the power to rule, the authority to rule, the green light, the say-so, the okay to rule. Um, I want to share a funny story. So when I was younger, maybe around 9 or 10, me and my cousins all used to, to gather up by my grandma's house because my mom used to work and then their parents used to work. And so give me one second. My grandma... My grandma used to cook for like 20 people, all those kids, and then her sons, who used to live there with her, who were like, there's children in the room, right, who were like uh, into bad things, right? They're gang banging and selling drugs and stuff like that, and so we're all these little kids running around and like watching wrestling and then like power slamming each other, like hurting each other, getting into fights and playing around and stuff like that, and so every once in a while, my uncle would like... Who, who lives in the basement, you know, who's like 30-something, will come upstairs and be like, hey, you guys, put your stuff away. Go back to the kitchen and keep eating your food. Or, you know, he'll tell us to do something. And <laughs> well, I, we used to pull one of these. We were, we were smart kids. We were all real smart. I used to pull one of these. <laughs> what? What did you just say? You're telling me what to do? And And... I used to know the difference between my uncle and then my mom because my mom was responsible. My mom had her life together, stuff like that. My uncle, I'm like, you telling me what to do, bro? <laughs> I'm not listening to you. I'm going to keep playing with my cousins. And that's how it was. And so um, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the authority, the power, the green light, the police badge, the okay the yes, I can r- rule. Yes, I can. Te- yes, I can rule. Um, the authority, the power to rule. So my uncle doesn't rule me, and I knew that. You know, you ever, you ever as a kid just mouth off and, and be like, you're not the boss of me, you know? Or, or I remember my, my older cousins used to try to put me in check when we were playing or if, if I was getting out of line. And I used to be like, who do you think you are, my boss? You know, who do you think you are, my mom? Or who do you think you are, God? You're telling me what to do? Now, and that's the idea here is that this is the good news. This is the gospel that the power and authority to rule is at hand. God is coming to rule. And so it's something we don't hear, at least I don't. I can speak for myself, but I'm pretty sure all of us don't hear this in American Christianity. We don't. We don't hear 
God's come to rule. That's the good news. We hear something like, you couldn't jump this high. Jesus came and jumped even higher than that. Now believe in him because he died for you and you'll go to heaven. We hear that. And there's, that's not wrong. And that's true. And I'm going to get to that why we hear that more out here. But this is the gospel that God's come back to rule. And so the time is fulfilled. I'll just touch that for a second. God, God wasn't ruling Israel. I think Ezekiel 11, his, his glory leaves the temple. Ezekiel sees an open eye vision. He's like, whoa, he's leaving the temple. And then all the, all the, um, the curses for disobedience upon Israel are like poured out. And then they're, they're exiled out of their land. They're taken up. So Jesus comes on the scene and says, the rule of God is at hand. In other words, God left. He's coming back for the Jews. And he's coming back to rule. That's the good news, that he's coming back to rule. Now, that's for Jewish people. I don't go around Thailand saying, hey, there's 613 commandments. There was this law. You didn't fulfill it. You know, and uh, you need to repent, believe in Jesus because he died for you so you could go to heaven. Um, and while there's, there's, there's truth, there's a lot of truth to your sinful Jesus isn't, he died on your behalf, believe in him and you'll be blessed and go to heaven and et cetera. There's truth to that. This is the gospel that he came to rule. And so um, I just want to give you guys a, a, a good example of uh, that word kingdom. If you don't remember anything about the definition of that word, just remember it's, very, it's equivalent. It's close to rule. He rules. He rules. God's coming back to rule. That's the good news. Rule, rule, rule. Reign. He's coming back to reign as king. Uh, Luke 19. I'll read it out. Verse 12. I'll start before that. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. And, and the idea there is, is how do you go into a land, receive a kingdom, and then come back? Because in most of our, in most of our understanding, a kingdom is like a place that someone rules. It's a country. So if he went to a land, wouldn't he just stay there and rule there? Like, that's his, that's his kingdom. No, the idea is he grabbed the authority. He received the, the green light. Um, he received the power, the, um, the say-so to come back and rule. Whatever that looked like for this guy, he received it. And so what does it look like for Jesus to say the rule of God is coming and it's close? It's at hand. It's near. It looks like it looks like when the devil tempted Jesus, saying, just kneel down to me, bro. Just kneel down, and all the kingdoms of the world are yours. Just kneel down right now, and they're yours. All the kingdoms, all the authority, power, places to rule people, it's all yours if you, if you bow down to me right now. Jesus understood, nah, I'm going to rule, but I got to do it a different way. Jesus went into, so to speak, this land to receive a kingdom for himself and then come back with the keys. At the end of Matthew 28, This is cool. At the end of Matthew 28, it says, verse 17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, there's that word authority, power, say so, green light, the badge. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
And so there's this awesome picture of Jesus coming back from the dead, and he's standing up on this mountain, and everybody's eyes are gazing on him, and some are bowing down and worshiping, some are in awe, not sure if they should bow down or stand up or do what. And then he says this amazing thing. It's almost like he has the keys to life and death, and I always imagine like this huge uh, key ring with skeleton keys just hanging off it, dangling, clanking, making like loud church bell sounds, clink, 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 clink. He's saying all authority in heaven, and that means all in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So since we're on the same page there with the gospel, and that was short, um, Jeff is going to get very into it. If you're not in that class, I suggest subscribing. Uh, I suggest uh, applying for it because it's an awesome class. It's blessed my life, and I understand the gospel a lot more clearly because of it. Um, yeah, but since we're on the same page, the gospel is God ruling. The gospel is God ruling. Um, God rules everybody in here if you're born again by his Holy Spirit. He rules us. And so I want to give you a formula. I'm not into formulas. Um, usually I don't, like, I don't like the one plus one equals two formula when it comes to spiritual things because I feel like relationship is more important. You can't really put a formula on that. But this isn't about relationship. This is something else. So... How does God rule? How does God rule? I was at a house church in Chiang Mai, which is the second largest city in Thailand. And um, uh, I just want to say real quick, um, I hope to meet with everybody to talk more about Thailand. I'm pretty sure you guys are still wondering, like, Eric didn't really mention this or that about Thailand. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry if I don't answer all your questions, but I, I say this sincerely, I do like really want to meet with everybody, whether it's in groups or at somebody's house or maybe even after this or whatever it be, I do want to meet with people, everybody. I want to meet with everybody because I do miss everyone. Um, but, okay, back to my story. What was, what was I saying? House church, house church in Chiang Mai. Jeff's listening. House church, house church in Chiang Mai. Um, this Russian lady, was there with her son, and it was a small house church, maybe seven of us, eight of us, and it was mostly Thai, and then there was the, the American and, uh, missionary with his wife, and then the Russian lady, and she asked a really good question, because we were talking about Matthew 6.33. Does, does everybody know it? Um, seek first the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And so she was like, how do you do that? And we had, we had metaphors, right? We had, you know, you got to go seek, you know, like if you're hungry, then you go to the kitchen, you open up the fridge and there's food there for you to eat. You got to go seek the food if you're hungry, you know, or, or if you're cold, you go, you go get a sweater. You got to go and get it. She was like, yeah, but how do you go and get it? How do you seek the kingdom? How do you, how do you do that? And so this idea was good. This idea, the, the truth that kingdom means rule, the rule of God was good. So how do you know God's ruling you? And I'll get to that formula in a second that I mentioned earlier. But the rule of God, it's, 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 a very, it's a very reassuring thing when you know God's ruling you guys. And um, the rule of God looks like his character being formed in you. So we know that there's these really, these, these, we know that the Bible is full of little stories, and when they're put together, it's kind of this bigger story, and you take a step back, and you look at it, and it's these four major points. I think I've learned them as a four, four spiritual principles. There's creation, 
the fall, the cross, or redemption, and then do you believe or life in the spirit? Um, and that, that's a good gauge for how to understand the, 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 the bigger picture here. Um, but, but even more than those four points in, in trying to understand the Bible and, and, and the narrative of what God's trying to reveal to all of us, um, if we stick to what's his rule over us like, what's that like, what's God ruling us like, um, we'd be okay. We'd be in really good shape. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and again, if you, you don't have to go there. It's good that you do go there. But it's good that you hear it too. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. All right, let me stop there at that first sentence. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, in, in this picture, in this picture perfect creation of God, God has this, this garden. And he has man and woman in the garden. And God is a creator, a ruler, um, a king. And he says, you were created in my image to reflect me. This is how you're ruled by me. This is how you're ruled by me when you reflect my image. And so... God is many things, and there's been many theologians that have uh, kind of argued what the image of God means. But one thing it means for sure is his character, right, his character. So we know that we have received the good news if the character of God is ruling us and being displayed through us, right? We know that. Um, Paul says it in, so that way you guys don't think I'm making stuff up. Where is it at? It's the end of 1 Corinthians, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. That's 1 Corinthians, Paul, right? It's in Romans as well, Romans 8.29. Everybody should know this verse. It's a really good verse. For those whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So that this, if this isn't a normal word or phrase for you in your Christian life, it should be. You should say, you should, if it's not and you still don't feel like it isn't, you should, I, I highly suggest you tell yourself, this is important. I need to know this. What is the image of God? I like saying the Latin phrase. I learned it in, in school, imago Dei. What, what's the Imago Dei? What's that? What's that look like? What does the image of God look like? Well, if I'm a mirror and I'm reflecting my daddy in heaven, well, what does dad look like? What does dad look like? Um, if you can describe what God looks like, you can, you can know what you're supposed to look like. And it's not that you, out of your own power and strength, make yourself look that way. It's that in kneeling and in submission to the Holy Spirit, you're formed, I can't say naturally, supernaturally into that image. And that's how you know you're being ruled by him. That's how you know you're being ruled. That's good news. You're under the reign of God when you reflect the king's image. It's, 
It's all about Imago Day. It's all about that return. Jesus, it says in Hebrews, was the... I'm going to sound like a bad missionary because I can't remember it, so I'm not going to try and say it. I'd rather just go there. And, and this is going somewhere, guys. I'm, I got you guys. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. Man, that's, those are beautiful words. So when we walk with Christ from glory to glory, we're changing and our characters are being formed into more Christ-likeness which is reflecting God, which is really saying to us and to God and, and him proclaiming it over us, he's ruling us and we're being ruled. That's the good news. Now, why does America say you're a sinner, um, Jesus didn't sin, believe in him and you go to heaven? Because that pretty much is the front door into the kingdom, into his reign. We come to God as sinners. Everybody does at first. And so that, that's where the front door is. And that's where we get it. We have a lot of Judeo-Christian foundations. A lot of America has underlining of Christianity already. We, we don't really need to, America doesn't really need to go back and kind of like explain everything. We kind of start off there. But when I go to Thailand and I'm talking to Thai people, it, it helps to know all this in advance because I can give them the gospel anywhere within this, this major story creation, the fall, the cross, do you believe, hold life with the spirit, whatever it is. And, um, and so I'm calling us, and I'm, ch- I'm really challenging us, and I hope, I hope I'm making this clear, to, um, to walk in something that I'm going to call um, apostolic or the apostolicity of Christ. So we all have Christ's Holy Spirit in us, right? Right. And we're being ruled by Jesus. We're being ruled by the King, right? Yes. So here, here goes that uh, formula that I wanted to give you guys. When you do X over and over on a daily basis, you start X squared. So let me fill in the X's. Is that a formula? Yeah, kind of, sort of. When you do something over and over and over again, you, you form something else. All right, now let me clear it up a little bit more for us. Because I'm ruled by God, and I know I am, on a daily basis I have, um, we can say, traditions, or practices, or uh, a regimen, or things that I do on a daily basis because I'm ruled by him. Before being ruled by him, I didn't wake up and pray. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't fast. I didn't purposely, intentionally try to put others before myself. I put myself before others. Um, Now, after I'm being ruled by God, I do these things repetitively, and this repetition, this rep, repetition, this repetition starts cultures. That's how cultures started. Think about it. All right, Puerto Rico. I'm Puerto Rican. If you guys didn't know, um, we have a culture. We have cultural food. We have language. We have dance. We have an island. We have a. We have we have many things. 
And so on a daily basis, you can practice being Puerto Rican. After a while, it turns into a culture. So there's food that you cook usually. You don't cook um, pat kimao or pat thai, right? If you're Puerto Rican, you cook certain food. Or when you talk, you use certain words that other people don't use, even if you're talking Spanish. Now, um, I hope you're getting my example. The more you practice something, the more you do something, um, after time, it turns into cultures. It turns into a culture. And in is it Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer, when he says, on earth as it is in heaven, the Lord's desire is that his kingdom would come to earth, or his rule, his reign, would be on earth as it is in heaven. When God rules you, you start to practice certain things over and over again, whether it be prayer or whatever it is. I went through that list earlier. And when you practice these things repetitively, it does become a culture. So being in Thailand, in Dansai, Loi, Thailand, there's a rhythm of life in Thailand that isn't honoring God. And their, their minds and their hearts are cut off to God, but mine isn't. And so I see their, their, their drum line. I see their rhythm of life. But I know I'm not supposed to march to that beat, right? Because that's the world's beat. That's this part of the world's cultural beat that isn't in, in step with the Lord. Instead, I have my own rhythm. And this is, this is where apostolicity starts. And this is where, where I'm going to call, where, where I hope to, to challenge everybody to start walking in, is that be confident and that's, that's easier said than done. But be confident that the Lord is establishing foundational things in your character. He, he's making you get up at 3 in the morning and devoting time to him. He's making you bold with new friends and old friends and even strangers to not be afraid to say the name Jesus. He's, he's forming himself in you where you're more merciful and gracious and, and many of the other things, fruits of the Spirit. And in, in, in knowing that he's ruling you and that these things are forming after time of practicing these things, there's a culture that you form individually as yourself. You too can bring the culture of heaven onto earth. God wants to rule earth. God wants Thailand to know him and Chicago to know him. And there's, there's very much a seed I hope to plant here today in all of us that I hope grows. And I, and I do believe this is the word that the Lord wanted me to share tonight. Is that maybe because it's not talked about a lot, apostolicity and apostles and the apostolic. I don't think I am, by the way. I don't think I'm like walking in this super like, you know, wiping my sweat and throwing my handkerchief at people. And they're like getting, getting up out of the graves and stuff. But... I, I, this is where the Lord's leading me in Thailand. This, this is the type of uh, um, things he's having me think about and things that he's, he's implanting in me. And I hope to bring it back here and plant a seed in you guys because um, Chicago needs Jesus. So heaven on earth is what we want. And heaven on earth looks like you being ruled by heaven. And heaven looks, heaven, Jeff said this, 
back in Bible school, heaven would be heaven without God in it, right? So heaven ruling over you on earth looks like God on earth again, God being displayed through you. I'm not saying you're God, but you are made in his image. And we're supposed to walk in that image. We're supposed to know that image. Real simply, if you can describe God, you can describe how you're supposed to be walking out your life. And you can see your weaknesses and your strengths, and you can, you can confide in others and, and pray to the Lord and fast and seek the Lord. But that, that, I feel like that's pretty much what the Lord, the Lord wanted me to share tonight was just this idea of walking in apostolicity. And not that I'm, not that I'm a veteran in walking in it, but uh, it's definitely something he's leading me in. And so I give this to you guys, too, because I, I hope that you walk in it. I hope that you, you realize that the people you're around and that you influence, you can be a channel or an open heaven or whatever words that we like to use to describe it. You can be that for them. You can be this, this reign of God. There's a really cool verse I'm thinking of right now, and I'm going to share it with you guys. It was about John the Baptist. Uh, John, maybe it's in Luke, maybe it's in Matthew. All right, now I look like that missionary that doesn't know his scripture. <laughs> Dang. Okay, the, the scripture verse I was thinking about was um, um, John was a light that burned brightly, and they, they, they wanted to be in his light, something like that. All right, so you're, you're people who are walking in the image of God, and that image of God is this light that people want to come next to. And even if they don't repent and believe in the kingdom or believe in the king, they're in this light, and they know Christ. I, I want to say this, too, because I know we had house burn, burning houses, uh, torches, and house fires, house fires, and we were, we were praying and being evangelistic. That's awesome. I like, yeah, the, the burning houses. <laughs> um, guys, one, one of the things that I, I, as far as evangelistically in Thailand, how I think is if I'm around you, my, my dear Thai fellow brother next to me that's not born again, if I'm around you, God's around you. If you're around me, you're around the kingdom of God. And we, we can't take people and shake them and say, be born again and receive the spirit. And then they get born again. Even if you preach the gospel perfectly, perfect, a perfect gospel presentation, you don't make people born again. That's God's job, right? We don't have that power. But walk under the rule of God. Bow your knees to him. Deny your flesh, kill your flesh, hate your flesh, and, walk, and try to walk out in that power. And that's going to change the atmospheres around you. Then you're going to be walking in, 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 in the, the, the power of apostolicity as well. It's going to lead you that way. Be confident. The Lord has done this in my life. The Lord has changed me this way. I do pray. I do fast. I practice these things. I am anointed. I, do re- I have received the anointing. I do have the power. I do know absolute truth. And, and there's a need to fight for those things. But when you do, there's, um, there's fruit that bears from it. 
Now, I did have a PowerPoint, right? I guess I can share that PowerPoint. It's, it's not too long. It's pretty short. Guys, I want to, I just feel like uh, sharing some testimonies from Thailand. I think it'd be wrong if I didn't. So there was one testimony that I love, and it's close to my heart. Um, me, Sam, and Brian, who's the other missionary that's been out there for 14 years, who kind of took us under his wing. He found us uh, our homes, and he found us a, a Thai teacher who's born again and loves the Lord. Um, we went out to this different, this different uh, village in Thailand, about three hours away from where we live. And when we were teaching, we were there for three days teaching. It was like a, a semi, uh, a mini conference. There was maybe like a group of six churches, maybe two or three would be there at a time. But in this particular church, we had about three churches that were attending, and we were done with our, with our teachings. And um, it was the last day, and Brian asked everybody to come up who wanted a touch from the Lord to, to be prayed for. And so it was absolutely, the, it just, it did something for me. I hope it does something for you. God's just so beautiful the way he works. But there was this young, she had to be like 23 young Thai girl with Down syndrome, and she, it was totally cool because she was still Thai. She, she was, like, so Thai. She would bow. She would bring, bring food. She would bring drinks. She was so humble. It was like, if I talked to her, it should just get rattled. Like, what? You're talking to me? What? 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 Cause, because she put my, uh, the honor of my face was this high, you know, and anyways, it, she was, she had a beautiful spirit already, and so when everybody came up to the front to get prayed for, I, I honestly didn't feel anything. But uh, all of a sudden, there, so there's this line of like 20 people, right? All of a sudden, as we're praying for people, the girl with Down syndrome, um, Brian comes and touches her head. And I felt like I was the only one that saw it. And I was like, oh, this is so awesome. He touches her head, and she just falls out backwards under the power of the Holy Spirit. We laid her down, and then after that, the entire line fell out. And it was like, whoa, Dad, what are you doing in here? That's awesome. I didn't feel you earlier. This is cool, you know? Um, so that's really, really near and dear to my heart. I really love that, that time. That was special. It really blessed me. And then there was another time. I'll share a second testimony. Of um, Again, we were doing these teaching things, and again, we called people up to the front. This was in a different town, and um, this young girl, she might have been 14, 15, or six, she was in her teens. Um, she comes up, and she just starts crying loud, and then her, her girlfriend, like, comes and hugs her and is praying with her and then starts crying with her, and this girl just starts crying even louder and louder, and then I, w- I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, the Lord's doing something over there. But then it got very, like, out of control where she's, like, yelling. I can't, I can't, I can't redo it. But she starts yelling, and uh, <laughs> she, um, uh, she's, she gets thrown to the floor and starts rolling around. Um, she basically um, was being demonized. And so we cracked jokes afterwards because we cast the demon out. But... Uh, it was really cool because it was like one of the seldom times that I've been able to say, hey, someone had a demon. I prayed for them and it left. But every time I got close to her, it was like her eyes would widen when she would see my hands. And she'd just scream even louder. And then she'll turn and Brian will be there. And Brian's like this tall, this tall dude with big hands. And she's like, 
there's like hands closing in all around her, and she's like freaking out, or the, the, the demon's freaking out. And um, she got freed from the demon, and afterwards, she was just so filled with joy. She had a big smile. It was awesome. It was, it was great, great stuff. But yeah, uh, the PowerPoint. Again, um, I'd, I'd love to meet with everybody and just talk more about Thailand. Okay, Thailand, the coming crumbling. When I was uh, typing this up, Sam was sitting next to me at the coffee shop, and he looked over and just started laughing at me. <laughs> and I was like, what, bro? He was like, Eric, the prophet of doom. But uh, Thailand, the coming crumbling. Uh, the, next, uh, the next slide, please. So, yeah, Thailand is divided into sometimes four to six different regions where me, Sam, and Anna are at. <clears throat> We're in the largest region, no matter how you divide the map. It's Isan. Isan is a Thai word for northeast. So that purple spot, and sometimes people think I get my colors wrong. It's either pink, red, or purple. I don't know which one it is. But northeast, the northeast is where we're at. Can you go to the next slide? This, that's Isan. That's where we're at. And if I had a red dot, I'd show you. But like in the top left, so the northwestern, as far as you can get, um, that's where our small town is at. So we're like right on the border between the north and the northeast. We're right there in a town called Dansai. Next slide, please. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Isan. Isan is basically where Thailand gets all their rice. This is where all the farmers are at. Again, earlier I said I called it the, the campo. This is um, where the farmers are at. It's um, also where the the poorest population is at. Um, there's also a lot of Lao that pass over into this area of Thailand. And so their language, they speak like a, like a street Thai. And so imagine us learning proper Thai, street Thai, Bible Thai, um, and then trying to bring that in together and understand it somehow and try to use it. It was hard. It's been hard. Um, much of human trafficking comes from here. Much. A lot. Almost all of it comes from this, this area. Um, and me, Sam, and Ed, we have a vision for next year. I just want to share momentarily. We're, we're going to move. We want to move to Kanken. It's my last bullet point. If you're living in Isan and you're rich enough, not that you have to be rich, but if you have enough money that you can go to school, you usually go to school at this place. It's called Kanken University. Next slide, please. Um, so uh, everybody knows what strongholds are, right? They're fortresses. It's, it's war talk. It's battle talk, strongholds. When you're in a war, you want to take down a stronghold so you can achieve a goal. Well, spiritually speaking, Christianity has been in Thailand for 175 years, and only 1% of Thais believe in Jesus. Half of that percent um, truly walk with God. It's what most missionaries would tell you. Half of that percent have life in the spirit where they know our Father in heaven and they walk with him. And then out of that half percent, two-thirds are not even Thai. They're these tribal people that live up in the mountains on the outskirts of the cities around Thailand. And these people are called Hmong people, H-M-O-N-G, Hmong people. And um, I'm going to get to that in a second. I'm kind of not talking about that right now. But uh, there's a really cool thing I want to share with you. When the first missionaries came to Thailand, they found Hmong people, and they shared with them the gospel message. And it was so cool because they figured out that the Hmong people 
had um, certain traditions that they practiced for years. One of them was they would kill a chicken, they would take the blood, and they would smear it around the doorpost of their home. And then another one was that they would bake, uh, they would make bread that was unleavened, and they would eat it once a year to celebrate one of their ancestors that helped them escape slavery. And this guy walked through dry land between uh, sea split in half, and he walked on dry land. And so when the first missionaries found this out, they were like, whoa, what? What, you guys might be like the, a lost tribe of Israel or something. So two-thirds of the half percent of Thais in Thailand are Hmong people. One-third are actual um, ex-Thai Buddhists. And um, I see, prophetically speaking, in, in the next year or two, maybe a door of opportunity to share the gospel so that more ties can, can know the Lord and enter the kingdom. And so there's three major strongholds that get in the way for ties to entering the kingdom. The first one is king worship. The second one is this follow the leader mentality, which, which isn't bad. In the West, we think, oh, that's bad. You can't think for yourself. It isn't necessarily a bad thing. The third one is um, strong traditions, whether they're cultural or religious, strong traditions. Um, can you go to the next slide, please? Yes, the king, the king, oh, the heir to the throne, okay. So the king right now is on his deathbed. He's in Bangkok on the top floor of the, the biggest hospital, and a lot of people speculate that he's already dead, and, the, and maybe Thailand just hasn't told anybody yet, but <clears throat> the king is considered a Buddha. He's on his deathbed, and this is, this is paramount to the gospel reaching Thai people because Thai people look to the king as their leader for Buddhism, and as their leader in general for what they do. So because the king isn't Christian, they don't want to be Christian. But when the king dies, it's going to leave an open door for the gospel to enter Thailand. This is exciting times. Me, Sam, and Nat are out there praying towards this. Not praying that he would die. We're, we hope he gets the gospel, right? But after he dies, his son is the heir to the throne. And his son has, if you know, if you know Asian cultures, you don't make people lose face in Asia. You don't, you don't uh, it's, a, it's an honor-shame society. So anything that br brings them shame is a big no-no. Their son has, like, this terrible video that got leaked on the Internet. He has multiple wives and children all over the place. He's a playboy. You know, he, he's, he's this bad image. Nobody wants him to be king. And so we know a king who has a flawless reputation. So we want to we bring people uh, uh, the identity of Jesus, bring this to them. This is a, a door of opportunity for the gospel. Next slide, please. Yeah, follow the leader. <clears throat> I kind of mentioned this already. Because he's a leader for Buddhism, they believe he's a Buddha. Uh, they follow him in our Christianity. When he dies, it's going to be, like, detrimental to them. Um, their identity is tied up with the king, so we want to give them a different king to have their identities tied up with. Next slide, please. The allure of the West. Next slide, please. <laughs> Buddhism. Hmm. Yeah, so basically people around my age, the university age and stuff, uh, they, they're becoming more and more westernized. They want to do stuff the American way. And so because they do, one of those things is, is uh, 
questioning their roots and, and just being becoming intellectual. So when they become intellectual, they're asking monks questions that the monks can't answer. And um, that leads a lot of them to turn atheist or to other religions, which also is another door of opportunity for truth of the kingdom to enter into Thailand. Next slide, please. Um, yeah, next slide again, please. Next slide. Yeah, I think it's done after that, right? One more. Dang, I ain't done. All right. No, 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 I'll sum that all, all, all of that up right now. So basically, in Isaiah 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I seen the Lord high and lifted up. And we believe, prophetically speaking, that when this king dies, the Lord can be glorified in Thailand. We want to bring the good news to them. Um, there's also a couple other scripture verses that align with this prophetic picture that we have of Acts 2, when people came to Jerusalem for the Passover, and then when persecution came, they got spread out. This university in Kankan has all types of people coming from all around Isan to this one spot. If we can reach these people, they go out during spring break or vacation or whatever, or when they're done with school, and they take the gospel with them back to their homes. These are, these are, these are things we're praying about and we hope happen, and we believe will. So if you can pray for those things, that'll be awesome. That's something for you guys to know and, and to join into with prayer. Also pray for me, Sam, and that to, know, to learn Thai quicker, better, more efficiently, and be able to, to, to just talk the, the heart language with people. We don't want to sound like, uh, you know, how people learn Spanish, and then they just say it so correctly that Spanish people are like, ah, he speaks Spanish, but he doesn't speak it right. You know, we want to we wanna talk to people the heart language. So, yeah, yeah, this is done. Um, uh, Jeff, if you want to play some music, something like that. I, I just want to pray over you guys. Um, my voice didn't squeak and I didn't twitch and my lip didn't quiver. So I think that was a good day today. But uh, I want to bless you guys and I want you guys to walk in apostolicity. I want you to walk in confidence. Know that God is ruling your heart and he's establishing different uh, practices for you on a daily basis that become cultural after a while. And uh, this culture that God wants you to walk in is going to reflect around you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bump heads with the rhythm of the culture around us. But there's people that are going to want to enter our light. Like John the Baptist was a burning lamp, it says, and people liked to, to, to come in and enjoy his, his uh his presence, so to speak. We, we're his presence carriers, right? Um, yeah. Thank you, Jesus.